0: Turn in your Bibles, if you would, please, today to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. I appreciate your expectancy. I can sense it. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You've, you've come well this morning. I can tell it. Amen. It sure matters. Yes, it, sure matters. it sure helps the minister, I tell you. Amen. And the minister is here to help you. Sometimes I'd like, to, I'd like to tell some folks, help me help you, you know, yeah, and I know the Lord says that, and probably my spiritual parents and all that too, myself, so we're all in that boat together, but he's our helper, like we were celebrating, so it's time to get some more help, amen. Father, we come to you today, uh, I thank you for taking the precious treasure that is the Logos, the written Word of God, and turn it into a rhema, a living Word, a Word for right now. Father, I pray that every heart would be an open heart, that every mind would be an attentive mind, that God, as we approach Your Word today, we would do it with expectancy, hunger, thirst, reverence, and with a mind, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do what I hear from the Word. God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that is here personally applying what is ministered today to every life, every situation, every heart, mine included. Let my tongue now be used as the pen of a ready writer to speak a word in due season unto these, your people. I ask God that you would give me the tongue of the learned. that Father God, that I could speak your word as It ought to be spoken in love, in sweetness, in kindness, in boldness. And that, God, that you're anointing these precious people in the auditorium and outside the auditorium today to receive it and to take it and to be changed by it. God, in the end, if all of this happens, we believe it will. You will be glorified. And that is our ultimate aim. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, I'm so excited about this moment. I get to preach to myself this morning. Amen. (laughs) I get to preach to myself this morning, and you guys just get to watch and listen. And uh, I don't want any boisterous amens coming over from the left as I get into this message today. For a number of weeks, we've been uh, teaching at the Lord's Direction, I believe, a uh, series called A Fear You Need talking about the fear of the Lord. And God is greatly to be feared. He's greatly to be respected and reverenced and and served and served acceptably and and prioritized and handled right. Amen. And uh, there's so much that goes into it and uh, we encourage you to go back and catch up with this. This is a little bit maybe of it will feel like a shifting of gears, but it falls under the same umbrella, if you will, Today, the Lord's put it on my heart to talk to us about being distracted and the cost of it. The cost of being distracted. And here in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 11, uh, we'll see Paul has been dealing with a situation in the church at Corinth where a man had committed a grievous sin. Everybody knew about it. He called himself a believer in the first letter, 1 Corinthians. He had him expelled from the church. Uh, That's called church discipline. You know, getting to come is a privilege. Becoming a member is not, you know, guaranteed. Hallelujah. And it's a privilege. It's a privilege. And uh, he had violated that. And so Paul had turned him out. Well, uh, evidently, the spiritual and the natural application of spiritual discipline worked sometime later this man came and repented and so Paul in this second letter is opening up talking about other things but he's primarily talking about this man and saying okay he's repented now it's time to for him to be reconciled and restored into right standing and right fellowship with the church and he says be careful about not forgiving Uh that's that's the context I want you to have the context because I'm only going to read this one verse here amen and so he says in verse 11, lest Satan should get an advantage of us. For we are not ignorant of his devices. So the device of the devil that he was actually dealing with there is Satan's device or scheme or strategy to get people into unforgiveness. I don't have time to preach that, but listen, you, if you are... Uh, crosswise with somebody, amen, and you hold ill will in your heart, I don't care toward yourself, anybody, you better get rid of that. That's right. Because you're, you're flowing with, you're yielding to a scheme of the devil. That's right. And he only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's right. But, you know, Satan's got more than one scheme. He's got more than one device, more than one strategy. In Ephesians 6, we're not going there. He talks about having the whole armor of God on our our lives so that we can stand against the wiles, plural, of the devil. Wiles is another word for schemes, for strategies. Notice that's in the plural. He's got more than one. And there are a lot of different ways the enemy will try to neutralize a believer's life. Render their life on this planet of none effect. He's lost you to heaven, and he'd love to kill you outright. He'd just assume you go to heaven and get off the planet. But if he can't do that, or while he's at work trying to do that, he would just, if you're going to be here, he wants to nullify. Render your existence on this planet of none effect. And he will employ every strategy that he's got. He'll throw everything at you plus the kitchen sink in an attempt to do that. We should fear none of these things. He's defeated, we're victorious. He's fallen, we're raised. He's a wanderer, we're seated in heavenly places. But how we conduct ourselves as kings. And priests, amen, on this planet has a lot to say about the actual outcome of our life. Go with me now back to 1 Corinthians. Start turning pages to the left to the 7th chapter. Oh, it's going to be good. Hallelujah. (laughs) 1 Corinthians chapter 7, we're looking for verse 35. It's pretty deep in the chapter. The, the entire chapter of, well, almost the entire chapter of 1 Corinthians 7, Paul is dealing with matters that they had asked him about relating to relationships and marriage. It's a wonderful study. A lot of insight there. And, uh, but uh, in his teaching and giving advice and counsel, he, he sort of culminates part of this in this 35th verse. So I realize I'm not giving you the full context, but I don't want to keep you here until 2 p.m., right? Thank you, Pastor. All right. (laughs) Amen. So in verse 35, uh, 35, it says, And this I speak for your own profit. So stop. This is for my own good. Paul's trying to help me. And since the Holy Ghost is on Paul, you can say, God's trying to help me. me. Amen. He's trying to help me. I, don't speak, I speak this for your own profit, and not that I may cast a snare upon you, but for that which is comely or seemly or profitable or good. Now notice the culmination of it. And that you may attend upon the Lord without distraction. Now, I studied a lot of words. I believe I'm right about this. That this word attend means to employ or your employ. Mm-hmm. Now, we know about that word employ. Most of us are employed. we know, Or we were and we know what that means. And if we're not careful, we can think that's, that's the all and the end all. But no, we have an employment spiritually. We have an employment spiritually. Amen? And it's going to require time. Everyone say time. time. Effort. Everyone say effort. Time and effort on all of our parts. Amen. We need to be attending upon the Lord. Without distraction. Let me read this to you from the New Living Translation. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, amplified, I'm sorry. Let me skip down on my notes. The Amplified of this says, Now I say this for your own welfare and your own profit. Not to put a halter of restraint upon you, but to promote what is seemly and in good order and to secure your undistracted, undivided devotion to the Lord. Hallelujah. And so as I approach this listen I already told you I'm preaching myself. Satan is a master of distraction. And what distracts me is probably not what distracts you. But that which would unduly take you and I away from attending to the Lord is a distraction. Amen? Amen. Paul here is, by the Spirit, trying to secure this local church. Right? And to help the believers at Corinth to live their lives in divine order. Properly. And he said, in order for this to happen, you're going to have to deal with distraction. Now, if you think about the context of what he's been talking about, what's he been talking about? He's been talking about the positives and the negatives about being married. So, But in some, he basically says, to the one that would have the grace to stay single, they have an advantage. Because they don't owe that time and attention to that person. They can give it to the Lord. This would be the only really primary benefit, spiritually speaking, of getting, of staying single. And that's not for everybody. God said, let, he, he didn't create Adam single and leave him there. He said it's not good. So for most of us, we'll be married. But, listen, can even your spouse be a distraction? Yes. Now, we owe, Paul, he teaches us here, if you're married, you owe them proper time. You owe it to them. You need to pay that, but there's a balance even in that. And the balance is well, honey, I love you, but I got to go play golf. That's not it. I got to go hunting. That's not it. I got to go play bridge. That's not it. It's devotion to the Lord, attending to the Lord, attending to the Lord. with as, with a, as a singular mind and heart as you can muster. But, oh, in compassion, I can say so many that in my own in, uh, oversight as a pastor are living distracted lives. And they have lost their way. And they have reasoned it and excused it and justified it. And some people have got both feet out the door. And attending to the Lord is not just about attending church, but attending church is an it's a indicator of how you've been attending to the Lord at home. And we live in the most distracted age that there has ever we have more challenges than any other generation that has ever lived. Listen, cell phones are destroying people. They are turning people into mindless zombies. I have a cell phone and I I am addicted. But I'm working on it. I said I'm working on it. It is a necessary evil. It has benefits and advantages. But but zombies, mindlessly doing this. They've, They've done it so long, they forgot what color the sky is. And when you think about what's on there that really helps you, You could be reading a Bible scripture. You could be interceding for a lost person. You could be having a real conversation with a human being. Now listen, how many of you, just by a smile on your face, would say it's gone so far that you text people in your own house? who are present. My wife will text the kids upstairs because she doesn't want to walk the 12 steps. You missed a calorie-burning opportunity. I have to get her a little bit because she's going to hit me really hard after this service. I know I'm provoking you a little bit. Oh, help me, Jesus. Now, I hope we laugh a lot, but this is super serious, super serious. Satan again, what's his goal, Deacon? Kevin, he wants to nullify your life. Render your Christian service a zero. And he's winning this fight. He's winning these battles. Amen? Amen. Soldiers in the army of God, not even in their bunk, not even in their position, not at their foxhole, they're not in position because they're scrolling. And that's not the only distraction, but it's a big one today. Scrolling, surfing, you know, all of these different things. But again, it's, maybe that's not your deal, but you've got a deal. I'm going to hear Dr. DeFrame from heaven. He's proud of me this morning. And I know he picked it up from Brother Hagen. Busy, busy, busy. Where have you been? Here it comes. And listen, I mean, I, I, I live in this planet, I know what it's like. There's so much to do. Isn't there? So much to do. Oh. Right? you have to scroll at least five miles every day on your, you know. I mean, but we've got to cook the meals. We've got to get the kids off to school. We've got to maintain the house. We've got to cut the grass. We've got to go to work. We've got to please the boss. And then way out there down the line, I ought to think about that whole Pastor Chris guy, you know, and, and come to church every now and then. But see, distracted. Distracted. Amen. Listen to the definition of the word distraction. The word distraction is a drawing apart. A separation. You are being separated from the important. Separated from the vital. You are being drawn away. Satan knows not to push too hard, too. Just a little, just just a little nudge. And then you actually sit down and read your Bible, and he's going to flood your mind with, what about this, and what about that? And and, and ding, ding, bell, ding, dong. There goes the cell phone, right? Ding, dong, you know. And I, you know, when I'm walking around, I'm like, I know I ought to be doing things. What is it I'm supposed to do? I actually sit down and go to pray and talk to God. And my mind is flooded with everything that I need to do. Come on, you're like me. And the devil will tell us things like, you remember Pastor Chris talking about excellence, right? And, and you know, and having your flower beds, right? And you need to get out there. Yes, that's all true. But what about the Lord? What about, what about devotion to him? What about spending time with him? That's right. The uh, dictionary defines distraction as confusion from a multiplicity of objects crowding the mind. Oh, they got me. Right? A confusion that results from the multiplicity of objects crowding the mind and calling the attention away in different directions. It means disorder. Amen. Oh, Lord, help us. Amen. Listen, if this is landing in your lap this morning, you are not, don't, you, are, you might come and say, Pastor Chris, that was for me. It was for everybody. Amen. Me included. Exactly. We get one chance one, we have one call one opportunity we get this day right here this moment right here this day and it's over what will go into the annals of eternity that will echo for any eternity what will what will we do at all today that will count for eternity anything anything And the, the enemy's happy for us to arrive at physical death, having done nothing but be busy, busy, busy. Yeah, and you never did, and you're going to face Jesus like I am. And he's going to say, "I'd like to talk to you about your call. What did you do about that call? Tell me. And what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to say? when you go into this thing let most people, well, I had this and that, that, and I had all these demands. Will that fly with the master? Listen, any one of us, any one of us, you look around, any one of us that's doing anything at all for the Lord had to say no to other things they could be doing to do that. Right? If you don't think this is an issue, you leave here and you try to slow down. You commit to be here every time the doors are open unless you're working. Pray every day. Read your Bible every day. Get quiet and sit there and just attend to Jesus for 10 minutes. And you will find out the counter-pressure the enemy will bring to get you back moving. And people wonder why they don't hear from God. They're not getting the leadings. Therefore, they're having accidents, financial failures, marrying the wrong people, making terrible decisions. When, When is he supposed to get it to you? Is he supposed to put a really clever post on your, on your Facebook? Is that, is that the only way he can reach you? Is through crap? Is that the only avenue that he could ever have a chance to get your attention? As you're scrolling, he goes... Busy, busy, busy. Everybody say it. busy, busy. Busy. You know, you can be, go to Luke chapter 13 if you would. One of the tricks of the enemy is to even get God's people overly busy serving. Serving. Remember Martha? If we have time, we'll get to her. Right? I've dealt with, you know, precious, precious people. Faithful, loyal, they won't sit under the ministry of the word. They won't. Even when I've gotten in front of them and said, I don't want you back here. I don't want you doing this. I need to see your face in a chair. Busy, busy, busy. And how do they justify it? I'm serving. I'm working for God. I'm working for God. What about Him? Or is it just about the... Some of us, it's just we've just been so conditioned. We're all sweet people, right? But we've just been conditioned by the enemy that it don't count if there's not movement. If you're not running, it doesn't count. If you live like that, you will never pray. You will never know God intimately right. until you get there. Amen. And you will miss the will of God for your life. Right. You will miss it. And that will cost us all. Yeah. Amen. Amen. In uh, Luke chapter 13, verse number 6, and uh, I hope I have it here and no, I don't have to send Scott on a. Another goose chase. Okay, I got it. All right, praise God. Are you ready for this? Are you all okay? Do you have a little bit more time? Okay. This is the juicy part. So Jesus had just talked to His disciples about some current events and tragedies. And we've heard about tragedies the Milwaukee shooting, the shooting yesterday in Buffalo. Uh, We've got death squads jumping out of cars with masks and taking out their AR-15s and murdering people while they fill their tanks up with gas. I mean, it's just... Now listen, you need to hear from God before you go outside. I'm not talking about living in fear, but if you'll be led by the Spirit, you won't be there when that happens. I listened yesterday driving home. They were interviewing one of, the, one of the men that was at that grocery store in Buffalo, and he said, you know, it's really interesting. Did you hear this interview? It was on Fox News. He said, you know, I should have been. I almost did. I had a drink, and I was going to go sit on that park bench where a guy was murdered, but something told me yeah. to go on about my merry way. See, if we don't pay attention, if we don't cultivate our spiritual lives so that we're in tune at any given moment that we can hear, come on, the world is too dangerous. I don't want to do your funeral before it's time to do your funeral. Distracted, distracted. So he's dealt with them about, hey, if you don't repent, get right with me, all people will perish like these other people did. Then he speaks this parable. In verse 6 it says, And he spoke also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree. For time's sake, I'm just going to teach as I go. You and I are the fig tree. Okay? A certain man had a fig tree. In other words, the fig tree is owned by somebody. And I'm the fig tree. Planted in his vineyard. And he came and sought fruit thereon. Fruit on what? The fig tree he owned. The fig tree he planted. What's he looking for? Fruit. What did he find? No fruit. Then said he to the dresser of the vineyard Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Cut it down. Who's the fig tree? Cut it down. And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year. I could see Jesus saying to his father, give me one more year. Let me fertilize them. Give them one more year. This is mercy. I said, this is mercy. Let it alone this year also, and I shall dung about it. I shall ding it and dung it, if you read King James. I don't want him to ever have to ding me and dung me. When he shows up to inspect my tree, I want there to be fruit on it. And I can be sweet, and I can be a good person, I can really love Jesus in my heart, but be so Busy, 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 and distracted, and my life so out of order that I might be deceived into thinking that what I'm giving my life to is necessary or worthwhile, but it doesn't produce any fruit that he cares about. But thank God for many fruitless Christians, there is a little bit of an extended time to see if they can figure it out. Verse 9 says, And if it bear fruit, well, and if not, after that, we will cut it down. Now this speaks volumes to me. Think of yourself, I'm thinking of myself, as this one of these trees. Amen? And I think about his, the vineyard is the kingdom. The vineyard is the kingdom of God. The vineyard can also, I believe... Apply to where you and I most experience the kingdom, the local church. Mm-hmm. So you, you and I, we may have gotten deco- you know, COVID and all this, but people, it doesn't matter. COVID's over, kind of, sort of. I know it's not as big of a deal as it was. But now people are just distracted with something different. Yeah. 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 And people aren't where they're supposed to be. They're not spending any time even at home with the Lord. If you've got children, 10, 11, 12, 13, you should ask them, quiz them about Bible stories and Bible characters. And if they can't answer basic questions, they're growing up without the knowledge of God. Amen. Now, if I said one's mama floated him on a river in a basket and another one spent three days and three nights in a whale, could you tell me their names? I hope so. If not, you need to get within your Bible. Amen. 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 Pastor, I I know, I know, breathe, I know. (laughs) But you're gonna have to cut something out. That's right. That's right. You're gonna have to put your foot to your flesh. Yes. Sit down and crack the Bible open. Yes. Spend some time talking to God Amen. about your life. Amen. Make you know as long I, I've discovered this in my twenty first year of pastoring. If anyone f- considers church optional you won't see them like you should you just won't because it's optional and satan every week will will give them a different option give them a different reason well i'm tired you do everything else tired you go to work tired you mow the grass tired you, you know you do everything else tired you can't, you can't come and all... I don't know what it looked like, but it was probably bigger and thicker than this thing. But does our, has our salvation been so diminished in our own mind? Is it nothing to us anymore what he did, what he, what he, how he bled? I'm tired. You're going to tell Jesus you're tired? Come on. Why are you tired? Is your body breaking down under the disobedience of not seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? You want God to empower your body, fuel your body, keep you alive so that you can do what? Race through the grocery aisle, you know, and get everything you need to get and then get home and paint the wall and This is what he did. Yeah. Come on. And he hung on it. Yeah. Come on. Want all, we want all the blessings. Now, Father, I ask you to help me be sweet. The church has just become a, if I can, I will. Optional. Why did he die? What is he endeavoring to build? Left heaven, bled, died, gave his life, was tortured. So you could do what? Binge watch. It's amazing what people find the energy to do. And then the things that are so precious and vital to their life that they so easily and quickly dismiss. And as a pastor, I'm, I am expected never to say anything about it. Pastor, you're too hard, you don't understand. You don't live my life. No, I don't. I don't. But I am your pastor. And we have to be shaken out of the fog. Now, notice, I want to bring your attention here. I'm I'm going to be done here in a second. Y'all just hold on. Notice this word. We don't ever use it in verse 7. Then said he unto the dresser of the vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why cumber? Why cumbereth it in the ground? Now, this word cumber is really interesting. You want to know what it means? The word, we've you, probably heard the word more encumbered. I'm encumbered. Well, it means to reduce to idleness, yeah. to reduce to inactivity, mm-hmm. to be drawn away. So notice this tree had been planted in the soil of the kingdom. Yeah. But because of whatever distractions, yeah. the word also means distraction. It says, we won't get there this morning, But uh, in Luke 10, talking about Martha, Jesus said to her, Martha, you are cumbered. You are cumbered with much serving. Cumbered with much serving. Notice, she is active in that house. Serving, washing dishes, preparing meals. You're hosting Jesus. She's not inactive, but she's cumbered. She's calling for her sister Mary. She wants Jesus to rebuke Mary, who is doing what? Sitting. Attending to Jesus' words. He says, Martha... And I understand from Pastor Craig Fields that he was preaching on this recently even, and he said, uh, Martha, Martha is a Jewish thing about, I really love you. Yeah. I really love you. But you're, you're all wound up. And Mary has chosen the better part. Yeah. Notice, to not be cumbered, we have to choose. Yeah. We have to choose. We have to make choices. And Jesus said the thing she has chosen, it's the better part and it will not be taken from her. She should have put her dishes down, got still and realized the opportunity she was missing. Jesus was talking. He was teaching. He was imparting. He was training. She was missing it. She was missing it. Jesus has precious things to say to you, and we're missing it. For what? I mean, really, for what? The busier I get, and the the, the bigger of the. the as the ministry adds bigness God keeps dealing with me about giving more away I have to protect my fellowship with Him I have to guard it I have to protect it from Satan's device of distraction Even in my studies and pastoral work, it can't all just be about preparing something to say to you. And this is for me what he has ordained, my 6 a.m., that's what just he said to me, you get up earlier than you want to. And you get up and you spend time with me. That's you, me time. He said, I don't want you praying for your church at that time. That's another time that you do that in the day. He said, I don't want you reading Brother Hagin's or Pastor Nancy's materials. That's you're fellowshipping with them. Right. He said, you can sit quietly in my presence. You can praise, you can worship, you can pray, you can read the Word. But I want that time with you. Amen. Amen. Now, do you have that kind of time every day with Jesus? Well, is it probably because... You're distracted. Distracted with the... It's not bad. Most of what we're doing is not bad. T-ball's not bad. Going to a game, that's not bad. Working hard, that's not bad. But when it takes the throne, and, and what's really vital is being set aside... So that we can pursue the lesser important, we're distracted. And I just believe God is endeavoring to rescue many of us. The body of Christ needs you. Your local church needs you. The lost world needs you. And God wants you to be more than an employee for Him. And He doesn't want to be your blessing vending machine. He only hears from you when you want something. When are you going to just come and say, I don't have an agenda it's not all about miracles, signs, and wonders right now. I just wanted to spend some time. Amen? Now don't leave here and set some goals that are not attainable. Some of you aren't doing anything. Read a chapter a day. Get the faith builders thing out there on the desk by the door read the Bible with us amen watch one less television program and trade that time to do something spiritual be amazing what it does for you close with this last statement here I'm not saying this To try to put some heavy burden on you. Like Paul said. What I'm trying to do. Is to secure. Your undivided. Undistracted. Devotion to the Lord. It's up to you. Amen. I said it's up to you. Hallelujah. Let's all stand on our feet this morning. You did some really good listening thank you really good receiving but you didn't realize as challenging as this moment might have been this isn't the hard part I said this is not the hard part guys it's, it's the moment you hit the black top out there welcome to the hard part I'll be praying for you will you be praying for me Amen. Well, I believe God's pleased with us this morning. Father, I just uh, conclude this.